Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today's episode is about how you can write a powerful resume. My guest, Jenny Foss, is a certified professional resume writer, and we are going to be talking about all the things you need to know to make your resume stand out, including what words to use, what font size actually works, and how you should list out your experience so it catches the recruiter and hiring manager's eyes. We have so much we're going to be talking to you about. Let's get started. Jenny, hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great, Jenny. It's amazing. We have close to 120 people on right now listening and watching. This is a topic a lot of people care about. But Jenny, give us a quick intro of who you are and the work that you do. Absolutely. I am Jenny Foss. I run a company called JobJenny.com. I am a job search strategist, a certified professional resume writer, a longtime recruiter. That's something I did for many years before I founded JobJenny, and a recently published author of the book called Do This, Not That Career. Okay. I'm like, where do we even get started? And I know there's some questions that are already like coming in about resumes and how people can think about this. But I'm curious, just right now, let's just set the stage. What are you seeing right now when it comes to the resume work that you're doing? Are people pretty good at putting together their resumes? Are there a lot of adjustments that are needed to be made? Or what are your what are you seeing, Jenny? Well, of course, I will say the people coming into me are the the people that know or or think they need help. So <laughs> I am seeing resumes that need work. But I will also say that writing a resume is really challenging for, I mean, I can't think of a person that came to me ever and said, hey, this was pretty easy for me, but I just want you to take a second look. It's really tough for people. It's hard for most people to promote themselves properly. I think many of us have grown up with parents who who hammered it into our heads, like, don't be, you know, don't brag, don't over toot your horn. And so when it comes time to create a compelling resume, what we tend to do is dial down the messaging and under promote ourselves pretty dramatically. So that is something I see no matter if it's an early career professional or a C-level executive, it's a universal challenge for people. Yes. I'm so glad we're starting with this because I imagine that's why a lot of us are on here right now because I think back to the time when I had to put together a resume and it was so darn stressful because it's like, it's not even, it's like also like the little thing, just making sure your grammar is right. You're using the right keywords. You're highlighting the right things. And the other thing is, you know, you have to, I mean, you'll tell me, but I always was in the mindset of, you know, you want to change it also depending on the certain companies you're, you're, you're applying Correct. for because you want, you 
can't just have one blanket resume. Uh, you know, people Absolutely. can tell. And even writing cover letters, gosh, you know, writing resumes is there's so stressful, honestly. So, okay, let's get started. What 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 are some of the things people need to just think about from let's start like level one when it comes to writing a good resume? What do they need to know? What do they need to do? Level one would be to understand the most basic rule of what makes a great resume is that it makes it very easy for your target employer, the person reading your resume, to quickly connect the dots between this is what we need and this is what Jessica could walk through our doors and deliver. I mean, literally, the easier you make that for them, the better the odds are that they're going to want to talk. And so by understanding your target audience, the type or types of jobs you really want to land, it becomes a lot, I don't want to say a lot easier because it's not like, oh, just do this and, and everything will be great. It is challenging, but it does become easier to create a compelling resume if you understand who you're talking to and what they're probably looking for. This begs the question, how do you know what that hiring manager is looking for? How can you identify so you're making sure you're hitting exactly the points that they're looking for on your resume? How do you know? So here's an exercise that we go through with the, the clients we work with on their resumes. We ask them to share with us three, four, five job descriptions that they feel really exemplify the type or types of roles that they, they feel they're qualified for and they really want to land next. And we look at all of those job descriptions and try and figure out what are the most common reoccurring patterns in terms of the requirements for each job. Do four out of five of these jobs require somebody with strong problem solving skills, for instance? Well, if that's the case, then it's a pretty good assumption to, to think, well, I better make sure as I introduce myself in this resume that I'm, I'm making it clear that I have sharp problem solving skills. So it's, it's kind of like reverse engineering. I call it fair cheating too. The, the hints and cues will be in those job descriptions and there will be strong patterns unless you're going after vastly different types of roles. Um, you can certainly also gain some insights by having conversations with people who work on that team or work for that company because as you probably agree, the, the job description isn't just the be all end all. I mean, mm -hmm. it could say one thing when someone who works at that company knows darn well, the hiring manager really just needs somebody who can clean up this mess or something, right? So uh, fundamental would be to compare some job descriptions that, that you feel are really the type of role that you want next. So here's an interesting question, and I I'm, and I remember thinking about this back when I was applying for jobs and, uh, you know, is it more like, okay, we all see job descriptions, right? We know like the skills that they're looking for, the overview, you know, company overview. Would you say it's strategic for us to pull out certain keywords that we're seeing in the job description and literally yeah. incorporating it into our own resume? So for example, if you see problem solving in the job description, 
put problem solving in your resume. If it's like a certain like application or skill, put in, is it as, is it as specific as that? Yes. However, you, you don't want to look like you're re robotically regurgitating the job description on your resume. I mean, someone's going to look at that and know that's exactly what you're doing. But absolutely, if you can tell your career story in that resume in a manner that speaks to those core themes and uses wording and phrasing from that job description, that will help you out twofold. One is it may help you as your resume, if, if your resume goes through resume scanning software or applicant tracking system is what they're called. It also will help as the human on the other side reads that because they're just going to digest it in a way that's like match, match, match. So yes, absolute yes on that. Just make sure you're doing it in a way that is not really robotic. Right. We'll talk about what that means. And, you know, this goes back to what we talk about fundamentally here at Soulcast Media about being a good communicator. It's always remembering to keep your audience in mind. What are the things that they care about and making sure that we are clear and precise when we're communicating that? Of course, this is verbally, but in the case of a resume, this is written communications. Correct. So one of the things that I wanted to ask, too, is and I'm sure you might have some ideas about this, but certain words also to incorporate in our resume, like I call them power words, like verbs, yeah. right? You know, things that show action. Do you have any thoughts on this? Why is it important? What are some words we can use? For sure. You want powerful action verbs and also adjectives, although I would not overkill with adjectives um, because you'll look like you've just developed a flower garden on your piece of paper there. But so, so let me use this as an example. So say, um, say I was a part of a team that um, developed a, a marketing campaign. Let's just say that. So am I going to say on my resume, assisted a team in developing a successful resume or I mean marketing campaign, or may I, would I say co-developed a, a powerful marketing campaign that X, Y, and Z. I mean, do you see the difference there? If you're assisting, it it's, says something a lot less powerful than if you're co-developing um, or obviously if you did it yourself, developing or launching or, um, driving. I mean, I could do this all day, really. <laughs> I love that. So it's as simple as that. I'm going to rehash what you just said. So instead of writing, for example, the word assisting, you're saying co-developing, uh, co-launching, like developing, launching, those are much more powerful words than just writing, for example, assisting, even though more or less it's, it means the same thing. You are assisting, but you're also co-developing. But for some reason, just the word developing, it sounds a lot more powerful than just assisting, correct? Well, yeah, co-developing makes it sound like you are an equal partner in whatever that success was assisting, I mean, you could have been the person handing them pencils or something. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't give the same connotation. So, 
certainly be mindful in, in finding action verbs to describe um, the things that you're most proud of and feel are most relevant to the type of role that you're, you're targeting next, yes. So I would say, number one, it's for those who are looking at their resumes is thinking about, okay, what kind of power words can I say? What kind of keywords can I incorporate? Now, I want to move on because I you mentioned earlier about not just saying, but having and showing the deliverables of what you achieved, right? You said the X, yes. Y, and Z. So can you elaborate a little bit more on what to elaborate on in the resume? Absolutely. So, so this is one of the bigger... I guess shortcomings I see with the before resumes that that come into come across my desk as we're working to uh, revamp them is they focus more on the duties and responsibilities that they hold or that they've held or the skills that they have, but less so on the I call it the so what or the impact, the significance, the why are you telling me this. So you might say, I managed uh, a project uh, with a uh, global client. Okay, and so what? So what about that? Whereas you could say, enabled a client to uh, automate their um, packaging line by doing X, Y, and Z. So you need to make sure that that reader understands that you're not just sitting around churning out these tasks, that they're having a bottom line impact for the team, for the client, for the business. And, and that's something that if you can kind of flip your mind around to, sure, you can explain in the experience section of your resume, here's what I was brought in or promoted or recruited to come and do and the overarching nature of this job. But then I would put the bullet points, reserve the bullet points for the achievements, especially the achievements that are in your mind most relevant to the target employer. It's almost encouraging folks to finish their thought. And I think a lot of times we'll read a resume and it's just that. They'll just say, I did this. But you're really only painting half the picture here. You have to complete that thought with the deliverables. I yeah, often and, say, and, <laughs> right? And, and not just I helped launch this, but what did that launch really satisfy? What did it complete? What did it do? Who did it benefit? So yes, it's adding that and and completing your thought. So I would encourage everybody, if you have your resume, right, it's like going in and looking sentence by sentence, like, are you completing that sentence? One of my favorite things to do is also incorporate numbers as well. I think numbers yes. is really powerful when it comes to incorporating into a resume. What are some real metrics you can use in your resume? What are your thoughts on that, Jenny? Absolute yes. In the same breath, I will say there are jobs where it's a little harder to just throw down number after number after number of quantitative results. So if that's you, don't ever be afraid of sharing qualitative results too. You could be in a job where happy customers 
are a, a strong indicator of your success. So you could share something about how you were you were recognized um, by the CEO of a key client for for your responsiveness and availability or something like that. Um, so when you do have opportunity to share quantitative results and especially numbers that are impressive, right? Um, yes, of course. That's certainly you want to do so. But just don't be afraid to think through qualitative results too, and don't be afraid to share those um, if those in your mind are, are the best you have or the most powerful indicators of your ability uh, of why they should hire you, why they should pay attention to you. One other thought about incorporating numbers and how they can be so powerful is, you know, you said it earlier, some people, it's a bit harder for them to figure out what numbers to use if it's not so, for example, obvious that they have certain, yeah, numbers they can put into their resume. I would say it might not hurt too to also use numbers as a way to add context. So let's say you, uh, I don't know, helped launch this platform that gets X amount of users every month, even though it's yeah. not like you brought in every user, but you can say this platform absolutely 10 million users. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% yes. 100% yes. Um, it's really thinking through. So, so as much as we want or hope that the person on the receiving end is going to deduce, well, she did this, so that must mean that, or she did this, and this is the significance of it. They're not doing that. They might not be qualified to do that if they are kind of the first reviewer of your resume, and maybe they're not a specialist in the thing that you do. Or more commonly, they don't have incentive to do that on your behalf because they've got this stack of candidates just waiting to be reviewed and someone is going to make it very, very obvious why they should be considered. And so always keep that in mind that because you know this software, no one's going to assume that you can transition right over and learn that software, or because you did this, this is what they should take away from that. I, I would spell it out pretty pretty clearly to, to the reviewer in your resume. I see one of the questions we have is from Diana. She's going back to the verbs. When we put verbs in our resume, are we talking about past tense or present tense? Well, it depends on if it's a former job, it would be past tense. And if it's a current job and it's something that was not a like a finite project, which is done, if it's something that's ongoing, then absolutely it can be and should be in the current tense. I have a question, and this has to do with cover letters, actually, because I know for many of us, cover letters is part of the resume writing. And actually, before you, before we get into this uh, topic, I'm curious for you all watching right now, type in yes or no, whether you typically put a cover letter in your job application process. Type into the chat function if cover letters is something that you spend time working on or do you typically go, mm, no, not really, because I just focus on the resume itself? Let us know in the chat function, because I am curious to hear what you all have to say in regards to cover letters. Now, before we go into that, I have to say cover letters 
is also very stressful too because <laughs> like you're writing now an essay of you and your comment. So I see a lot of folks, it's actually very much split. Yes, no, if they ask. Doesn't yes, surprise me. Yes, yes, a lot of yes and no, yes, 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 not really, yes. Okay, what's the idea behind cover letters, Jenny? Do we need them? Do we not need them? It takes a lot of time to put one together. This is a hotly debated topic in my world. Among, I mean, the most notable recruiters and career professionals, some say yes, some say no. And the reason is because it really does depend on who you're sending your credentials to, how they're going to access your information, what industry you're in, um, and so forth. So here's an example. By the way, I am a proponent. I'm a yes to cover letters, and I'll, I'll explain. But if you're sending your materials into, say, a recruiting agency, you probably don't need a cover letter because assuming you and the recruiter determine that you're enough of a fit for that role that they're going to submit you for consideration for the job, they typically will draw up their own summary of you and submit a package to the client, the hiring company, on your behalf. So you really probably don't need a cover letter in that instance, or if you're going in through somebody that you know already. Um, I know a lot of tech companies don't necessarily want or need them, but here's the thing. The vast majority of cover letters are just, I mean, they're just garbage, really. Um, they're treated like an afterthought. You whip them up at the last minute because you feel like you have to. You're basically saying not much. Um, but you do have a tremendous opportunity in the cover letter to share with that reviewer, here's who I am and here's exactly why I want to work for this company or what I love about you and what you're doing. So you're giving them the impression that you're not out wallpapering the universe with your, with your resume. You're applying for this job because you like what they do, you use your, their products, you, you know, whatever that reason is. And then you can shift into here's who I am and why I make sense for the role. So you can showcase very specifically the skills that you bring to the equation that align very directly with your understanding of what they need. So it's almost like a, a connecting opportunity to tell them who you are and why you're showing up there, make it clear that you've thought through how and why you make sense and also give them a little bit of an opportunity to, to see what your personality is, which I know is like, people are like, wait, what, in a cover letter? Yes, you don't have to write it like, oh, you know, let me open up my college textbook on how to write a cover letter. You can write it in a more conversational fashion as long as you're paying close attention to what your goal is, is to, to make it very clear to them how and why you line up and why you want to work there. So I anyway, often, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just thinking, you know, I think a lot of it has to also do with like our mindset too. You know, a lot of us think, oh, we have to write a cover letter. It's another 
thing to do, right? But I like how yeah. you're thinking about it as this is actually an opportunity, especially if this is a job that you found that you're really excited about. Your cover letter is an opportunity for you to actually talk about that excitement that you cannot write on your resume because your resume is really your job experience. So I think it's just thinking about if it's a job that you're particularly interested in, think about your cover letter as an opportunity for you to talk about why you love this company, why you're so excited for the role. So instead yeah. of thinking of it as a chore, as, oh God, I have to write this. It's like, wait, this is a way for me to show a little bit about my personality. And one communication thing to think about is also, you know, treat it as like you're just writing a letter to somebody talking about, I'm so excited about this. This is why I'm excited. This is what I've done. This is what I can bring to the table, right? Yeah. And yeah. understand that there's it's another person at the other end of this reading this. And if they're reading this cover letter and they can feel that excitement, Absolutely. I highly I, 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 I think this can allow you to stand out. So yes, thinking of it as a chore. And they're expecting it to be garbage. So if they start reading it and they're like, wait, hold the phone. This is an interesting read. I mean, that's going to set you apart right then and there. So, yeah, uh, I know somebody had a question about, you know, do we just have like a blanket cover letter and just change the name and the addresses in that instance? This is where you're going to see kind of like the lackluster cover letters, right? I think tailoring your cover letter to that specific company, to that specific role, that is how you can show you. That is how you can show the life of behind just this piece of paper. Yes. Again, it has to yes. switch yes. your thinking. Now, I know there's going to be some jobs and I know there's a perhaps 50% of you don't really use cover letters, but if it feels right, if it's a particular job you're really interested in, I do think just carving out 35 minutes, 40 minutes to just jam out this letter and just think of it as, let me just talk to this person and just share, like think of it as writing a letter to your friend, right? Just like how excited you are, what you're excited to contribute. And I think that really translates on paper. I agree. And, and you and I, before we hopped on the live here, we talked about, we were talking about how we both are LinkedIn learning authors, um, both create courses for LinkedIn. And one of mine is actually called writing a cover letter. So if anyone has access to LinkedIn learning and wants maybe to take a deeper dive into kind of what my strategy is and, and gain some insights on how we typically set them up, um, you'll find that over there. Be sure to check out Jenny's LinkedIn learning courses. I believe she has you have 12, right? 12. Yeah. Yeah. So if I mean, we're all on LinkedIn right now. That's how we're watching this. But yeah, after this is over, head over to LinkedIn Learning and be sure to check out Jenny's LinkedIn Learning courses. We're both LinkedIn Learning instructors. And LinkedIn Learning is just a great way for folks to find different resources, find different topics to level up their professional development. Now, one last thought on cover letters. I talk a lot about teaching folks how to advocate for themselves at work, how to build that visibility. I also am a strong supporter of writing a cover letter because it is a form of advocating for yourself too. Yep. And this is, again, what you cannot say on a resume. It's, again, an opportunity for you to brag a little bit about yourself, which we all can get a little bit more comfortable doing. Trust me, I get it. It was not comfortable for me in the beginning. But once I realized that it's not really bragging, it's really aligning talking about what you've done to what the person cares about. 
if you can do it that way, it's not really bragging because as you're communicating, you're actually showing the other side the value you can bring. And if you right. can do that, people care. They want to listen to you now. So I think that's an important understanding of how to be a strategic communicator. It's not, it's not really bragging in the traditional sense, but you're talking about how amazing you are but why the other person should care. How can you, your job, your experience, how can it serve and help the other side? And if you can Correct. do that, people will listen to you. And, and in an authentic way, something I detect with professionals trying to land a new job or make a career move is they feel very wound up about it and want to make sure they do it the right way. And what's, what's, what's the structure? I don't want to make a mistake with this, but we're all humans and, and authenticity goes a long, long way. And it's okay to be, I mean, unless you're like a horrible person, <laughs> which I'm sure nobody here is, but it's okay to let some of that authentic you shine through as you're also showcasing very specific skills and experiences that lend well to that, that job that you want. They're not just hiring skills and experience, they're hiring you as a person. And, and in whatever ways, whether that's your resume, your cover letter, obviously through the interview process, you can let your humanness be a part of it. Uh, I think that that's, absolutely going to maximize the the chances that you end up in the right place for you and for them. I think that's what they mean about culture fit, right? It's like, and it's two ways too. It is two ways. It's absolutely two ways. Um, but yeah, sure. There are basics. There are some hard and fast rules, but they're not a million of them. And, and it's okay to, to take some risks sometimes, um, calculated risks, as long as you're keeping in mind the, the strategy that you're going to deploy and the goal that you have. Okay, so I want to make sure that we're getting to some of the questions, which we are getting a lot of questions in the chat function. So please keep them coming. And now I'm going to ask this question because it's related to the cover letters, but this is just a basic cover letter question. Do we put it as an attachment or do we put it into the body of an email message? <laughs> I've asked HR people this question before and I got about a 50-50 split answer. I would probably put it in the body of the email if you're emailing something directly to them. So it's one less thing to, to open up. Um, I don't think it's a make or break one way or the other situation. And then obviously if you're applying through an online portal, there will usually be a spot to upload it. Um, if there's not, and you still really want to upload a cover letter, you can attach it to the, to the, the resume, just have them flow together. I have a quick question for everybody who's watching right now. How many different versions of a resume do you all have typically? Do you have two two versions, three versions? 
drop it into the chat function. I'm actually curious to get everyone's thought. And this is actually going to um, help me pivot to the next topic. But yeah, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, when it comes to writing resumes and applying for jobs, how many different versions do you have? Now, I will say usually what I mean, again, this, it's been a while, but I remember when I used to be applying for jobs, I would have tons of versions. And, and, and I do think it's good, though, because you want to have different versions to accommodate the different roles you are applying for, because it shouldn't just always be a one blanket one. I'm seeing, let's see, Savannah is saying two to four, Fiona's three, Charmaine is three to five, Michael's one, Jason's four, Justine's two. There's actually a lot of twos. Okay. So what are your thoughts on this? Like how many different versions are we supposed to be creating here? So if you are focusing pretty narrowly on one type of role in one type of industry, let's say, I want to be a design engineer for the automotive industry. It might be fairly doable to create one core resume and then just slightly modify it as you apply for other things based on what you see in that job description. Maybe there's a little tweaking to do with the wording, or maybe you want to mention a software that you see on the job description that you know. Um, but if you're applying for quite different things, say you're thinking about being maybe a corporate trainer or a project manager, those are really different. And those would, I would recommend strongly that you have two distinct resumes for those two types of jobs. Because if you try to say everything in one resume, when you're going after multiple types of roles, you're going to dilute the impact of your message across every channel and, and make it hard for anybody at the receiving end to fish their way through your resume to, to find the stuff that they really want and need to see. And so um, I actually just had this conversation with a client earlier today. What you could do um, is have what I call the mothership resume, which is just everything. And then kind of pluck out the stuff that you, you don't need for, for any particular role that you're applying for. You could do it that way. I love that. And I think there's actually one person, Kirill, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, but yeah, one with everything and two that are specific to some jobs, but that mothership resume has you just dump everything and it's just a way <laughs> the granddaddy of them all. Yes. Yeah. You just, and then from there you sift through what it is you want to use for a specific job. So build that mothership resume. All right. This is, this has been a question that I've seen actually a few times now. All right. What do we do if we're trying to pivot? What, how do we think about writing our resumes when we are trying to get a new job that's kind of different from the experience that we currently have right now? I actually have a lot to say about this because I had to pivot uh, one one big pivot once. Uh, I'll and I'll have you um, answer, Jenny, but I'll go first. My big pivot actually was um, there was a time where. I was thinking of transitioning out of, I mentioned to everybody, I used to be a TV journalist and there was a period of time where I was thinking about pivoting my career into public relations, specifically healthcare public relations. It's not like the most drastic shift because there's no. a lot of like cross between the two. However, it was figuring out, well, how do I talk about my skills being on TV every day? 
And how is that relevant to healthcare? So for me, I was thinking, okay, well, can I talk about some of the healthcare stories I covered? And at the time, I was very interested in doing healthcare stories. So I definitely had a lot that I could pull out and focus a little bit more precisely in that resume. You know, I also made sure that, okay, from the public relations side, which is the other side that I wanted to enter, I knew as a journalist, I would often communicate with those people too. So I made sure to communicate that in my resume. But again, it's just being very explicit. So Jenny, what are your thoughts though on pivoting? How do people do that if it seems like it's two completely different fields or jobs? Well, before I talk about the resume, I'm going to say be realistic. So if today I'm a yoga instructor and then I get this wild hair that I want to be a veterinarian, I mean, that's there's no amount of wordsmithing that's going to go on that's going to get me there. So, um, and we can talk about that too for people who do want to make bigger pivots, but that's a different topic. So if you feel that the, the pivot that you want to make is something that's actually doable um, and that you have great transferable skills Uh, Maybe you went back to school and got a certificate or a second degree. What you want to do is just make sure that you're pulling the most relevant information right in front of that reviewer's eyeballs. So you could even like if you have a summary section on your resume, which is where you're introducing yourself, you could even say something like, um, uh, recently completed accounting certification or certificate, um, currently seek, seeking to shift career into bookkeeping for, uh, you know, X, Y, Z type of company. So you can spell that out, but also in providing evidence that you are actually re- ready for that. Let's, let's stay with that accounting example. I would put your education up toward the top of the resume instead of at the bottom, because it shows that you've recently acquired that certificate. And then in your, in your experience section, you, if there's anything that you've been doing, maybe you, maybe your spouse has, uh, you know, art business and you do her bookkeeping, you, you can add that as a job, or maybe you've been doing um, volunteer work as a bookkeeper or doing some accounts payable. Any relevant career experience that you have that will help that reviewer see that you're ready for an accounting role, I would make sure that's up near the top. And also, if there's something that you've been doing in your current job, even if that wasn't your job title, maybe you took on a special project or you've been serving in that capacity, you're just not called that, I would showcase that either in the bullets, you know, was selected to fill in for the uh, accounts payable manager during the maternity leave of, you know, blah, blah, blah. So really keeping in mind that in every instance that you can provide some evidence that you're ready for this and that you have transferable skills, that's a good idea. And then Jessica, another idea I always throw out there with my pivoters is you're going to be competing for your job with people who have taken a very linear path to that same point. So 
rather than viewing the aggregate of your education, your skills, your experience as a liability, can you think about the ways in which that combination is actually advantageous versus somebody who's just been on this linear path? So what about that like math equation of X plus Y plus Z? What about it makes you special? And so can you flip the script on this? And as you introduce yourself in this resume and certainly in the cover letter, make that clear. I would hope that if folks are thinking about pivoting, that they are not just jumping and applying for a job right away. It's maybe even spending a few months at the current job trying to find opportunities to up-level a particular skill just so that yes. they can have more to say on their resume. And so for those, any of you all who are listening right now, if in your mind you're like, hmm, I have been interested in maybe doing a little bit of that, maybe doing a little bit of this, which is different. In your current situation right now, is there anybody you can reach out to, any other groups you can you know, raise your hand and, and help, right? Just to give you more experience so that when you do really put pen to paper to create that new resume, you actually have more to talk about. So I guess what I'm saying is pivoting, I hope doesn't just happen. I just feel like pivoting today. It's more right. like, how can I start putting the steps in place so that I can get there a little bit more seamlessly, so to speak. And this is a little bit of an aside, but still important to the, the topic of career pivots. So sometimes you're on one side of the pond, if you will, looking all the way across to the other side of where you want to get to. And it seems like a really big jump. I will argue that there are almost always lily pads in the middle of the pond that you can jump to more easily right now that will cue you up for the next jump to get all the way across. So maybe you're feeling like what you really want to do is, is a daunting pivot. Well, what are some little in-between roles that you could have that are going to be easier to get to now that will help you get to the final destination? A lot of it, and I know I see some of the comments coming in. It's like, what if I don't have the experience? What do I have nothing? I mean, honestly, there is always something you can say from your current experience, from your education, from the people you've interacted with internally, externally, that you can essentially shift the message around so that it's relevant to what it is that you want. There's always something. Is it, you know, you, you learn to be a fast worker, you get things done, like your ability to work with people across all levels, you know, that's a universal skill, right? right? So it's just, don't think of it as like a limited mindset of, I just don't, I can't, there's nothing else I can do, but more of like, what in the process of working in this job, in this role, what, and a lot of it actually has to do with more of like, sometimes I would say even like the soft skills too, right? Your ability to work with people, different mm -hmm. groups that, you know, is incredibly important. And I think is worth putting and noting in resumes too. And final note on, on career pivots, unless you want to continue, I'll have much more to say on it, but it's not just about your resume. I would absolutely consider asking people to do informational interviews who are working in the kinds of jobs that you want in the kinds of places that you want. And 
gathering information about what their work is like, how they get into this, what skills does your, you know, your boss really value? If you were me, like, what would the next few things you would do be? And informational interviews are so great, not only because they help you gather information, but it can help you forge relationships that might be really helpful for you in getting a foot in the door and getting a conversation that you might not otherwise get based on just your piece of paper. Oh my God, this is so important. I cannot even underestimate the value of building connections, building out your network to help you get a job. It's just human nature. We will tend to want to hire people who were referred, you know, who are a part of like a network of some sort. That's just human nature. There's nothing necessarily malicious about it. But I do think all of us can take a strategic and proactive approach in, hmm, who can we reach out to? Who can we get to know? And it's not just, you know, and, and don't feel bad about it, right? But as long as you come in and you come in with a curious mindset, oh, Absolutely. I just want to learn, you know, more often than not, people are very willing to talk about what it is that they do. How do they get there? And as long as you show that willingness to learn and you're open-minded, people people can feel that. So don't underestimate the power of building a network. And anybody can do it across any level, across any department or industry. Okay, Jenny, I know we're about, I mean, we've been we've been chatting for over 45 minutes. And I feel like there's so I can many do this forever and ever. I know, I feel like we can keep going. But I know... We do have to end soon. So before we close this out, I wanted to ask you one last question. This is kind of more of like a quick thing. Any tips for folks on what do they need on their resume? Just like some quick things. What do they need on their resume? I don't know, font sizes. Um, Do we need like a summary anymore? Like what do we need? Like just some quick tips for folks that's must-haves or or, or don't, don't do. I would have a summary section. This is your opportunity, again, to introduce yourself in a way that speaks directly to the type or types of roles that you're targeting. So when you're saying, here's who I am and the things I specialize in, you're talking to the things that you know that they're going to be on the lookout for. So yes to summary section, no to objective. They're worthless. I would have a brief key skills section so that at a glance, it shows me that you're great at problem solving, project management, budget, budgeting, cost controls, whatever, um, and have those align with the common skills that you're seeing on these job descriptions. Don't have a million in there. I would have, you know, nine or 12 and swap them in and out based on what you're applying for. And then in your experience section, um, I would go, of course, reverse chronological order, where for each job you're explaining what you were brought in, hired, recruited, promoted to do, and the key focus of that role, and then reserve the bullet points for the achievements, the things you're particularly proud of. Um, Fonts, I would just say try and go with a common PC font so that no matter what scanning software is digesting it, it's going to play nice. Um, Don't make it so tight or teeny tiny type that people with aging eyes can't read it without their readers on. And if you want a really stylized version of your resume, I would also have a second version that you're using when you're applying for online for jobs online, because 
if you have all the bells and whistles and graphics and weird formatting and colors and logos and pictures or whatever, I've seen it all, the scanning software is going to have a hard time digesting that information and parsing it into the right data fields. And that's not going to be a good thing. So reserve the really stylized version of your resume for when you're able to email a PDF directly to someone, maybe put it on a portfolio website, hand it to someone, whatever. Good call. And that's the truth. A lot of times it's these like robots who are sifting it through uh, before it actually gets to somebody. So making sure that the relevant information is getting pulled out is very important. One last question. This is a good one from Mike. One or two pages resume. <laughs> um, the vast majority of, of resumes that we construct, and we do work more with mid to senior level professionals, are two pages. So. Um, if you're earlier career or maybe have had just a couple of employers, sure, you might be able to put it on one page and that's great. But what happens is we, we, we all have like bought into this myth that the world will crumble if we go beyond one page and no one's ever going to read it. Well, I have never once in all of my years of recruiting had a hiring manager say, well, uh, this resume looks great. Unfortunately, it's two pages long, so we're going to have to pass. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So make the words earn their spot on the page. Say what you need to say. Create a compelling marketing document. If it's one page, great. If it's two page, no problem. And that's it. Jenny? I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you all who stayed on the entire time to listen us talk about powerful resume tips. Where can people find you, Jenny? They can find me over on jobjenny.com. And if you search on me under LinkedIn Learning, I, you'll see all of my courses there. Um, and then certainly if, if you're interested in 81 actionable career and workplace tips. Uh, the new book is called Do This, Not That Career. And that's, you can pretty much find it everywhere. Thank you all for tuning in and joining us on our Soulcast Media Live today. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one -on -one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out and happy communicating. Thank you.